How we doing, everybody? You all right today? It's great. Great to see you. Thank you for being here today. I uh, want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who is watching right now online via the interwebs. Come on, church. Can we welcome everybody who's online with us today? We're really glad that you're here. And, uh, and man, how about that uh, Stronger Men's promo, though? It's just a little bit manly. That's all I got to say. Where all the fellas at? Where you at, guys? <laughs> That's beautiful. That's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's lovely. I'd say that's lovely. Um, guys, this week, it's this week, Stronger Men's is this week. I want to encourage you. This is the week. If you haven't signed up yet, sign up today. We're all going together. It's going to be amazing, all right? So um, we, we've gone in the past. This year, we've already got uh, over 100 guys going from Summit Park, which is really, really fun. Um, we want you to go. It's going to be amazing. And there's something powerful. I mean, obviously, they're going to have great speakers. They're going to have great worship. They're probably going to have some crazy people doing crazy stunts that you shouldn't try at home. It's going to be awesome. But the most important thing is we're just getting away and spending some time with God and with each other. And there's something cool that happens with that. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not signed up, sign up, come with us. I promise you, you will be glad that you did. It's fast, all right? It's Friday night, Saturday morning. It's very manly. The women's conference is like 16 days long. It just, it doesn't stop. Like, I mean, for real though, it's like, it just keeps going and they keep adding more days. Guys can't handle that. Guys are like, it's Friday night, Saturday morning. But no, I'm just telling you, it's really, really powerful. And here's the cool thing at Summit Park. We're all going together. And so uh, we're going to be meeting on Wednesday night and we're going to be praying together and meeting guys in our group, we're going as groups, and so we're really wanting everybody to be connected, staying together, so we want to make sure you have a friend uh, and that you're connected with somebody. Then we're going to hang out. After Friday night, we're all going to hang out and eat snacks. <laughs> Probably not healthy snacks. I'm just saying that. Some barbecue, maybe. Nah, Springfield, they don't have a good barbecue. Um, they do have good Chinese, though. They do have good Chinese. Maybe we'll get some Chinese while we're there. Uh, we're going to hang out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to encourage you to sign up. It's going to be really, really fantastic. Tonight, or the Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, we're all getting together, 730. We're going to pray together. It's going to be awesome. And if you believe it, say, <laughs> that's the first time I tried that. If you believe it, say, mm, I liked it. Um, <clears throat> and then tonight, everybody, Baptisms. <laughs> baptisms. We already, uh, the latest count as of last service was 54 people are getting baptized tonight, which is really, really fantastic. Um, our baptism event is just the best. And I know we already announced it, so I don't want to make another announcement. I just want to make a plea uh, and encourage you to be a part of this because uh, there's, why is baptism important? Number one, Jesus said be baptized. So there's that. All right. That kind of counts for something. Um, and and it, what it does, baptism identifies with Jesus. In that, and Paul the Apostle explains this, when we go under the water, we identify him with, in his death. When we come up out of the water, we identify with him in his resurrection. So there's, there's basically an identification that's happening. I'm with Jesus, and Jesus has changed my life. So baptism does not make you saved. It just tells the world that you are saved. And it's also cool because something happens in your heart when you line up with God and you do what God has asked you to do. God meets you there. And God helps you with that. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Take that step of faith. You will be glad that you did. 
Um, it's very, it's, I don't know what about it is so significant, but man, it is unlike anything we do. The baptism thing is unlike anything we do. It's just very, very unique and uniquely powerful. So I want to encourage you to be a part of it. Um, some of you are worried, but man, it's, it's cool outside. What about the water? The water will be 90 degrees. We have special heaters that we bring in that heat the waters that's going in. 90 degrees. It's so warm. You're going to want to keep getting baptized, okay? You're going to want to just go down and one more time, but only one baptism per person. And some of you are like, oh, man, there's a lot of people. We have, we'll have two tanks. So we'll have two tanks that are baptizing. All right, so there's that. And you'll be like, oh, is it clean? We chlorinate the water, everybody. We chlorinate it, and we skim it throughout the event. I'm just telling you. We've got you covered, okay? We've got you taken care of. So um, I want it's, it's to, really, it's really worth doing, and I promise you'll be glad that you did. I really believe this could be uh, your day. This could be a great day for you, and if you haven't been baptized, take that step. And if you believe that, it's a good idea. Say, I do. I do. All right. Okay, hey, we're jumping back in to a series we've been in uh, since the beginning of the year on the book of Matthew, where we're asking and answering this question, wouldn't it be cool if we could see Jesus do his ministry when he lived on this planet. Wouldn't that be cool? And the answer is yes. It would be very cool to see Jesus when he did his ministry here, when he taught, when he preached, when he healed the sick, when he raised the dead. It would be cool. But what's cool about the Bible is that in the book of Matthew, Matthew was a disciple. He was a follower of Christ whose life was completely changed, and he gives us this inside look at to what Jesus does. It's a firsthand account. So, you know, it's, it's so tempting to read the Bible and just be like, oh, this is a historical document or this is just, you know, religious material. No, this is someone's testimony of what Jesus did for him and what he saw Jesus do in front of him. And so you're seeing the gospel lived out. And for Matthew, it's very powerful because Matthew's showing us that what Jesus brings is the kingdom. Jesus talks about this over and over and over again, and Matthew keys in on this in his gospel. You see it all throughout his gospel. He makes sure to emphasize this because he's watching what Jesus says. He's watching what Jesus does, and he's, and he's, and he's watching how Jesus continues to talk about the kingdom, and he's like, this is, what, this is what living in God's kingdom looks like. And basically what that means, it just means that you're under God's rule, it means basically God is in control of your life. You're saying, God, you can have it all. Lord, I'm following you. And when you do that, there is a blessing that comes in your life. There is peace. There is forgiveness. There is salvation. There is an anointing. There is a grace on your life. There is healing on your life. There is favor on your life. And so Matthew's like, man, I want you all to experience this. Because if you can experience this, it's all going to make sense. You're going to get back to where God started this whole thing at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, where we are close with God and he is close with us. And so that's what, that's what Jesus is trying to do. That's what Matthew is trying to communicate. And today, so we've been talking about, man, what did it look like? What, what was it like? Now, today I want to talk about wouldn't it be cool if we could experience it now? Wouldn't it be cool if we could actually experience kingdom life now? Kingdom life, kingdom work in our hearts. Kingdom work through our lives. And that's what Matthew is going to key in on and Jesus is talking about in this next section on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, and it's about prayer. We're going to be talking about prayer. Prayer. Prayer is how we access the kingdom. 
Prayer is how we experience the kingdom, and it's how we bring the kingdom to our world. It's how we affect change. It's how we infect the world around us with the good news of the gospel. Prayer is how it starts. But, but prayer is, although probably one of the most natural things we can do as Christians, how many of you know it's, it can be very challenging as well? Like, it can be difficult to pray because there's so many different, like, interpretations of what prayer should look like, right? Um, you know, depending on your religious background, you know, should, is prayer quiet or is prayer loud? You know, should you, should you come in and, and you know, should you, should you kneel? Should you stand? Should you do some calisthenics? You know, like, what do you do when you pray? Like, what, what's the appropriate mode of prayer? Can I talk right to Jesus or do I need to talk to his mom first? You know, because maybe, maybe his mom's got some pull on Jesus. Now, yes, I mean, right? Or maybe I need to talk to some of his saints, some of, some of Jesus' friends, because Jesus doesn't want to talk to me. How do we pray? How do we actually do this thing? Um, and, and how do we experience the kingdom? Prayer is important. Prayer is really important. In fact, Martin Luther says this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. It's powerful. It's important. In fact, Jesus' disciples believed that so much that after spending weeks and months and years watching him do miracles, watching him preach the greatest sermons ever preached, they don't ask him how to do miracles. They don't ask him to teach them to preach. But do you know what his disciples asked Jesus? Teach us to pray. That's what they ask. They say, teach us to pray. And I believe it's because they recognize that there's this power. When Jesus does his, his amazing ministry, he's constantly withdrawing to pray. So it's like he fills up with the power, and then he goes and he ministers. He fills up, he pulls away, is alone with the Father, and gets strength and anointing and grace and power. And then he goes, and he heals the sick. And he brings the kingdom of God to earth. So these disciples are processing this way. In fact, uh, Jesus, his brother James, will say this in James 5. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Everybody say powerful. Whenever we say strong, powerful. Powerful and effective. You see this throughout the Bible. Prayer brings all kinds of things. It brings breakthrough. It brings miracles. It brings healing, provision, vision, direction. It's very important. But how do we do that? And why would we do that? And in this next section on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus keys in on just that. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us how. He gives us the, the, the Lord's prayer. That's a little pattern on prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Amen. That's the prayer pattern. And there's this whole, it's a really good prayer pattern and we've taught on that before, and I don't want to take time right now to, to really uh, delve too deep into that, although it's worth diving into. I want to get to what Jesus talks about in this next passage in Matthew chapter 7, and it's really the why of prayer. And the why of prayer is relationship. I want to show you the why of prayer is relationship. Because we're going to see this in this, in this passage. Jesus is going to be like, hey, I want you just to ask me. I want you just to come to me. If you have a need, I want you to ask me. Come on, tell someone next to you, say, you need to ask him. Come on, just tell someone real quick, you need to ask him. Why do you need to ask him? Because he wants relationship with you. He wants relationship with you. 
Do you know that in any relationship, when you ask somebody for something, how many of you know it takes the relationship to another level? It's, it's another level of intimacy. It's another level of closeness, right? Like when I first asked my, uh, my wife, Jen, if we could be boyfriend and girlfriend, it was a big deal, you know? And I remember we were at Bruno's restaurant in Springfield, and, and we were just having this little Italian thing outside, beautiful day, and, and I just remember, you guys, have you ever experienced this? You know it's a little awkward at first, because you're trying to, like, bring some exclusivity, you know, like you're having a good time, so I was like, you know, I was like, hey, I'm really having a good time <laughs> hanging out with you. And she goes, me too. You know how girls do that. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's good. Um, I was wondering, you know, maybe we just keep doing this. Yeah. I was wondering if maybe, like, you know, we could just do this with nobody else. Okay. Yes. I asked her to be... My girlfriend, and she said, yes, it was, it was a, a level of, it was another level of intimacy. And then, uh, and then I asked her to be my wife. And I remember that whole moment. I, I've, I've shared this story with you guys before. I won't give you all the details, but I will give you some of them. Um, we, we had met in this art studio. And so downtown Springfield, we were walking by, and I had, I had decked out this art studio in pictures of our dating experience. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> I thought it was pretty great. Um, had rose petals on the floor, little dessert. We had just eaten at this place. And it was like, oh, let's just go for a walk downtown. We're just walking. Oh, hey, there's where we met. Oh, isn't that cool? Look inside. She's freaking out. She's going nuts. She can't believe it. She walks in. She's like, oh, this is so great. And so we have the dessert. And I get down on one knee. And I was like, will you marry me? She gets down on both knees. And she says, yes. We celebrated. Thank you. We celebrated with Andy's frozen custard. <laughs> True story. I had it in coolers in the back. And all of her friends and family came. And it was really, really fantastic. And, you know, and then so it leveled up the relationship. I asked her and she, it leveled up the relationship. And then I asked her to have uh, my children. Actually, I didn't, I didn't ask. That just kind of happened. Um, <laughs> turns, <laughs> turns out it does Sometimes. And now she asks me to pick up those children from soccer practice. So the level of intimacy is very close at this point. When you ask somebody for something, it levels up the relationship. It, what happens is there's a level of trust that happens when you're asking somebody for something, right? There's a level of dependence. There's a level of humility or even vulnerability. When you're asking for help, like, you're, putting your, you're kind of putting yourself out there. And what happens is there's a reciprocation that happens in our relationship with God where God's like, you're putting yourself out there. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to respond to you. And that's the idea that Jesus is trying to communicate in Matthew chapter 7 as he talks to us about prayer. All right? So if you're ready to jump in, say I am. Okay. Verse 7 says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he gives a little illustration. That he's given the idea, the, the premise, 
And now he's going to illustrate it. Verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or he asks for fish, will give him a snake? Of course, no one's going to do that. He says, if you, though then you are evil compared to God, I mean, you're, you're, not, you're not perfect. God is. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, now watch, it's very interesting that he ties this in. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. On the prophets. Great little passage on prayer. I believe Jesus is teaching three main ideas here. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, prayer is a request. It's a request, and it should be a request. God wants to be a request. Number two, prayer is answered by the rewarder. The rewarder. And then number three, prayer should follow the golden rule. It's a request. It's answered by the rewarder, and it should follow the golden rule. I really believe these three things will help us understand how to pray, why to pray, and how to access answers when we pray. So before we jump into this, though, I want you to find three people and say, there is power when you pray. Point right at them and say, there is power when you pray. Power when you pray. I want, I want to break this down, and then I actually want to have a little bit of time of prayer at the end, all right? So we're going to pray for needs. We're going to pray uh, for each other. I think it'd be uh, an injustice to talk about prayer and then not actually pray, so we're going to do that. Uh, but first, I want to talk to us about prayer being a request. Prayer is a request. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. He gives us the idea of prayer where it's a request and then it's also a promise because he's saying when you ask, you will receive. You will receive. There really isn't any other way to interpret this because he emphasizes it three times. Is that when you pray, God will respond. Does anybody, does anybody believe that? That's a place for an amen if you believe that. I mean, can we throw that verse on the screen one more time? Just like that, that little verse right there. I mean, let's just look. I don't know, I'm going to go into the dark. I'm sorry. Sorry, camera people. Sorry. Um, Ask and it will. (laughs) Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He's not saying it might. He's not saying maybe. He's not saying if God's just feeling like he woke up on the good side of the bed today. No, he's saying it will happen. When you ask, you will receive. God's job is the answering of our prayer. Our job is the asking and the seeking and the knocking. So that's what I want to talk to us about today. I want to talk to us about our part of receiving from the Lord. Uh, Just for over the next few moments. Uh, He he says ask. That, That word is iteo. It means to ask or request and some translations even say demand say demand it's, it's this idea that that Jesus wants us to bring God our problems I just I really want to encourage you to get this today church bring your problems to God how many got problems anybody have problems in here okay almost all of us and then a few people are lying but everybody is like for the most part on the same page here Do we have problems? And if you don't have one right now, you know you're going to have one tomorrow. It just is what it is. In this world, Jesus tells us that. We will have trouble. 
So you're going to have problems. What do you do with your problems? You can worry about your problems. You can call 65 friends and gossip about the other people who are causing your problems. You can stress about your problems. Or you can do something about your problems and go to God. I talked about this in first Wednesday in December, but... Uh, in that season, I was, there were a lot of things I was going through, a lot of difficulty uh, that I was facing. I was just stressed about a lot of stuff. And I went, I went to my normal little prayer spot. I go to this lake, and, and, and I just love to pray right by this lake. And, and, um, and usually I read my Bible, and then I'll just start praying. And, and I, I didn't do either. I just, I just put the car in park, and I just sat there. And I started thinking about my problems. And I started worrying about my problems. And I started stressing about my problems. Have you ever been in a situation like this where as you start thinking about it and stressing about it, it, you can almost feel yourself getting lower as you start stressing about it? Like physically, it's almost like weighing you down. And so, why, and so that was happening to me. And so I started thinking, I was like, I'm like 35 minutes into this stress fest, if you will. And I'm just like getting more and more down. And I, and, and, and I just felt like the Lord say to me, Hey, I'm here. Are you supposed to be praying? And then, and so what I did is I was like, okay, wait, I snapped out of it. I was like, okay, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this to you. God, will you help me with this situation? God, I give this situation to you. God, I know you are a good God and you wanna do good things for me, even though I don't deserve it. Lord, I know I don't deserve it, but I'm coming to you and I'm asking you. And all of a sudden, I literally started to feel, like literally, physically, I started to feel stronger. And I started to feel breakthroughs happening. And that's what happens when we ask. When we ask, God will answer us. Sometimes he solves our problem right away. Sometimes he just gives us the hope and the strength and the grace to get through our problem. But either way, we seek him. And if we don't seek him, we don't have the answer. That's why James, the brother of Jesus, will say this in James chapter 4. You do not have... Because you do not ask God. And then that's why I was thinking about that. In that moment, I was like, and we talked about this at first Wednesday, prayers that are answered are prayers that get prayed. How many know there are a lot of prayers that are unanswered because they never get prayed? They just sit in our head, stressing, worrying, or calling a bunch of people. I can't believe she did that. I know she always does. I can't stand her. Instead of praying about it. You can stress, you can worry, or you can pray. And God says this, you will receive. So I just want to encourage you with your problems, the problems that you're facing right now. Let's just, let's just personalize this for a moment, okay? The problems that you're facing right now, are you going to God with them? Today we're going to have an opportunity to do that, okay? And then he says seek. And that word is zeteo. It means to look for, to desire it's this idea that if at first you don't receive when you ask, you seek again. Because, because you're looking for it as if it's treasure. Where is this? I've got to find it. I know that answer's out there. I know God wants to be good for me. I've got to keep asking, and now I'm seeking. And what he is doing is he is leveling up with these ask, seek, knock, right? And, and they're, in this, they're in this present tense of ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, and knock and keep knocking. So it's this idea that once isn't enough. You gotta keep, you gotta keep pressing in to God. And then he says knock. 
And that word is, uh, in the Greek, it means kruo. And, and it, what it means in the Greek is it means knock. <laughs> it's really complicated. Jesus is really, you know, just mixing it up here. No, it just, it's, very, it's very simple. It's this idea that, that once you ask, you don't get it. You seek, and if you haven't got it yet, then you, you knock. It's like you know it's in there. You're at the door. You know God is behind that, and you're like, God, I need you. Will you come through for me? I'm going I'm to knock until you, you come through. The idea is like, uh, you know, like you've got a couple of tubs of Andes in the freezer somewhere, all right? You go, you, go to the, you go to the fridge, freezer, and it's not there. And you think, maybe my wife has eaten all of it. And so you go, you go hey, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask, hey, where's that Andy? She goes, oh, no, I put it in the deep freeze. So now I'm going to go seek it out. I'm going to go seek that Andy's frozen custard because I want it. Come on, somebody. Let me just say a little sidebar. It's a great way to do Andy's. It's a cheaper way to do it. Just get it by the, by the pint and store it, and then you can do your own mix-ins. Just a little, little pro tip, a little pro tip. Um, anyways, so you know that pint's in there. So you go to the deep freeze, and you get there, and it's open. The deep freeze is open, which is a sin. And you know there's one person who commits that sin in your household, your son. <laughs> who has curiously locked himself in his room with the carton of Andes. And then you say, oh, no, you don't. So you go, and you seek it out, and you start knocking. You, I know you got that Andes. Let me in. That's the idea. You're like, did you just compare God to Andes? Not really, not entirely. You ask, you ask, and then you seek, and then you knock. And you say, I've got to get there. I know it's behind there. I know you've got that for me. In, in Luke's version of this teaching on prayer, Jesus tells a story to, to illustrate this. Luke chapter 11. This is the same, this is the same teaching, just different account. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. So he tells them a story. He's like, let me illustrate this. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food. And suppose in hospitality in the day, it was a massive, massive deal. So he's like, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. And that day, probably one room house, they're all in there. And how many of you know when the kids are sleeping, do not wake the kids? especially the babies. Like, it's, it's, that's not a good situation. So he's like, hey, leave me alone. I can't get up. And he says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. He says, there's something about the fact that you are, who would do this in the middle of the night? And you know I have kids. But because of your boldness, because of your ruthlessness, your relentlessness, he says, I will get up and I will give you. It's this idea, man, you need something from God. You just go, God, I need this. I need a breakthrough. I'm struggling with this. My marriage, Lord, I'm, we're struggling. Will you help us? My child, Lord, he's struggling. Will you help him? And I'm not leaving until you come through. I'm asking, and I'm seeking, and I'm knocking. Why is God doing this? 
why would, why would God, why doesn't he just give us on the first ask? I really believe it's because of relationship. What God wants from us, he wants, again, he not, he, he not only wants the initial level of trust, he wants an ongoing deepening of our trust and our faith in him. Where we are looking to him as relationship. He's, he's doing something in us as we seek him out. A relationship is being developed. It's being cultivated. It's being made stronger. The roots are going deep. As you seek God, your relationship with God is growing stronger. The other day, my daughter and I went, uh, she went with me. I went to get my hair cut, and we went to the mall to return some things, and, uh, and she was, uh, she, so at, when she did the haircut, she asked for a couple suckers, and the lady gave her three, and she was so excited about it. And then we went to the um, mall, we returned the stuff, and she was like, we walked by this carousel, you guys know Oak Park Mall, there's that big carousel there, and she was like, can we do the carousel? Mom always tells her no. She's, you know, she's like, mom always tells her no. She's like, dad, can we do the carousel? And, and now she does this thing, where she's like, I mean, she's five, man, it's, it's, I'm in trouble. I'm like, absolutely, let's go, let's go. Five bucks? And I've got this memory, we've got this closeness, done, done. Five bucks, we can swing it. And she had so much fun, just to illustrate how much fun she had. I have to show you this picture. Look, this is her on the carousel, everybody. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. And, and so after the carousel ride, this is her getting on the carousel ride. After the carousel ride, we take another picture. Look at this, look how much joy, look at that face right there. Yes, yes, $5 well spent right there because she felt close to her dad. She asked and I was like, you got it, closeness, closeness. Had she not, we could have walked right by that carousel. We could have just kept going. She could have thought, dad doesn't want to help me. Dad's not interested in helping me. But she asked and I responded. And then she was like, after that, she was like, hey, dad, I, I want some food. I, want, I really want some food. And I was like, nah, we'll, we'll just go home. We already spent $5 on the carousel. <laughs> dad, I really want some food. Please, can we go to the food court? Please, can we go to the food court? Please, 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 can we go to the food court? Oh, I want to go to the food court, dad, please. please. Dad, can we go to the food court? She's seeking and she's knocking. <laughs> and I say, all right, let's go to the food court. I think she just wanted those like little dragon ball things that, you know, little frozen balls. If you ever done that, like she just wanted candy. It's what she wanted. She wanted to go to candy, but I got her Chipotle. I felt like that was a nice compromise. And then afterwards, she's like, dad, can we get some Annie Ann's? 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 Dad, dad, dad. And you know what I said? I said no. I said no because that's too much sugar. That's too much sugar. She's already had three suckers. She's had the Chipotle. I, mean, she, I don't want to ruin her. Sometimes I say yes. Sometimes I say no. But all the while, we're building relationship. Sometimes I give her what she wants, but each time I respond, there, there's this relationship that's happening. And all the while, she's growing closer to me, and I'm, I'm growing closer to her. That's what God is looking for a request that yields relationship. Prayer is a request that yields relationship. That's what God wants from you. 
Our job is to trust him with the results. We don't know, if, if, if what we think we deserve or need in that moment happens or doesn't, our job is just to seek him, to ask him, to seek him, and to knock, amen? amen. Second thing is, this is so important, prayer is answered by the rewarder. Jesus illustrates the heart of God when he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? He's like, if you're evil and you do that, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What dad or mom is going to be like, oh, their son or daughter comes like, dad, I'm so hungry. Oh, oh dad, I'm so hungry. You go to the snake pit that you have in your backyard because you're insane. <laughs> and you take out some snakes and you throw them in a sandwich. You go, here you go, son. Bon appetit. Who's going to do that? Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. He's like, and if you won't do that, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts? The, the, the reality is we have to get to the understanding in our relationship with God where we, we know, we believe that God is good and that God does good and that God wants to be good to us. It has to be a conviction because if you don't believe that, you won't approach God like that. Because you'll think God's capricious. You'll think God's fussy. You'll think God, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, or maybe I don't deserve it because you're coming with some shame or some unworthiness. And so you're afraid to ask God for big things or you're afraid to offend God with your big requests. Listen, your big requests do not offend God. He can't, I mean, he, he's like, man, you asked me for that? Let's go. Like, if, okay, just for, just, just pretend you know a billionaire. Wouldn't it be cool if you did? If you know a billionaire, and you know that billionaire is good, and you go ask that billionaire for $10,000, how many of you know that's not offensive? That's not offensive. If you know that that, and if you're in relationship with that billionaire, how many of you could ask that billionaire for $100,000? It doesn't offend, God owns it all. He has it all. You have to get to the point where you believe that God is good. Psalm 86 says, but you, O Lord, are God, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Isaiah chapter 49 says, this is a beautiful passage. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Of course not. But you might forget. He says, even those that may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. When God looks at you, he's looking at your name on his hands. Do you, do you know that? Has that conviction gripped you? to where you believe that God loves you and wants to do good for you and literally is just waiting. He's like literally waiting at the edge of heaven for you to ask for God to do something great in your life and for him to respond. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Hebrews 11 says, and without faith it is impossible to please Please, God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He wants to reward you.
and he will if you seek him. The last thing is this, prayer should follow the golden rule. Did anybody catch that the golden rule was just kind of like tucked in there with this prayer section? Kind of random. We usually separate it, don't we? Talk about prayer, and then we talk about the golden rule. Jesus doesn't separate it. Well, look at this, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You know what Jesus is saying? Give someone the very best. The thing that you would want, of course, you want the very best for yourself. Does anybody want the very best for themselves? Just raise your hand if you want the very best for yourself. Of course you do. So he's saying, you want the very best? Give the very best. Give the very best thing that you could ever give to somebody. And what is that? Prayer. The very best thing that you can do for somebody is pray for them. Now, that's only if we believe what we believe. I mean, if you don't believe this stuff, then then this doesn't apply. But if you believe that there is a God who loves his people and wants to move on their behalf, then the very best thing that you could do for somebody is to pray for them. It's better than giving them a lot of money. It's better than giving them a new car. The best thing you could do is pray that they would experience God. That's the very best thing. If God is the very best thing, then that is the very best thing. And that is what brings the kingdom. Prayer. That's why when Jesus sends out his disciples for the first time, he sends them out to pray for others. Look at this in Matthew chapter 10. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Why? Why would you do any of these things? Because freely you have received, so freely give. It's like you've been given so much. You've been giving so much blessing. You've experienced God himself doing amazing things in front of you. Now that you've received these things, give these things. What's the best thing you could give people? God, his kingdom. Do you know how we bring God's kingdom to earth? Prayer. That's how we do it. I want to encourage you, moms and dads, I was challenged by this. I was challenged by this this week as we were talking about this sermon this week. Because as we started talking about it, we were like, this is what Jesus is saying. This is the best thing you could ever do. And I was, I was convicted. I was convicted because I'm not, I don't pray enough for my kids. I pray for my kids a lot, but I don't pray enough. And I don't pray enough with my kids. And so we, we made a course correction. Literally this week. All right. We're going to do some things different. We're going to pray more together and more for each other. Because it's the best thing we could ever do. Freely we've received. Freely give. Husbands, wives, best thing you can do for each other, the best thing you could do for your marriage is pray together and pray for each other. 
leaders of businesses, the best thing you can do is pray for your business. Plan for your business. Prepare for your business. But pray for your business. It's the best thing you can do. Pray for your employees. Pray for the challenges that you're having. It's the best thing you can do. Freely you've received, freely give. Let me just say this too about about church. What the church really should be known for most is prayer. Look what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 21. He's coming to Jerusalem and he's about to be crucified, but before he does, he's cleaning house a little bit. He goes into the temple. He starts flipping over tables of money changers and and he says in verse 13, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. I'm so thankful for what church is today. I'm so thankful that we have digital media that reaches the world. I'm so thankful that we have all of the things, all the, the sound and the beautiful music and the amazing production and it makes all of it I mean it's just it's so great I'm thankful for kids checking come on somebody Lord bless those kids workers I'm thankful for all of it I'm thankful for all that church is but what church should be most is a house of prayer and we should be praying for each other we should be believing God with each other There's, I just want to cast a little vision church there should be little prayer segments happening all the time. That's what, that's what should happen in church. When someone's like, we get together, the body of Christ coming together and be like, I'm struggling. We should just stop right there and pray and bring God into it. I, I loved what happened at First Wednesday a, a few weeks ago. Pastor John was here. It was amazing. It was powerful. If you were here, if you were in the room, you, you knew it was powerful. It was undeniable. It was undeni- the tangible presence of God. What I loved about it was how communal it was. I loved that it it wasn't about a speaker or a worship team or some talent on the platform. It was about the body of Christ being the body of Christ, people praying for each other all over this place and God responding in powerful ways, doing miracles. I mean, we have seen one right after another, right after another, after another come in. People are like, oh, hey, by the way, yeah, my friend, oh, by the way, this happened to me. We're like, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. Why? Because God loves people, and God is just waiting to respond to us if we will ask, seek, and knock. That's what he wants to do. That's what the church should be. James chapter 5 says this, and we'll close. If anyone among you, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you believe it, church? Do we believe it today? Would you stand with me? I just want to take a moment, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each other. I just want to have a little prayer lab. Before we do, I want to encourage you with this.
One of the things that happened at First Wednesday, and there's so many testimonies, and I will be sharing more of them with you. So this is not exhaustive by any means. I will be sharing more of them with you. And if you have one, please share it, because I think, I think our faith is going to be continually increased as we hear testimonies. But one of them was this. If you guys were there, you remember there was a word of knowledge given like over a, a lockjaw on the right side. Um, my friend Daniel leans over to his wife as that is being said and says, oh my goodness, that's me. That's me. His wife subsequently later came up and said, I felt so bad that he was even saying that because when they showed the little testimony video, she's like, there's no way that's real. It's like, that doesn't happen. I mean, that's not real. And then Daniel's like, that's me. He goes forward, gets prayed for. And they pray for him multiple times. He walks away from that prayer time completely healed. Watch this. When, this, is his, this is Daniel's testimony. When I stood up to be prayed for, I already believed for my healing. And by the time I was being prayed for, I was healed. Now I am blessed and grateful. I'm able to speak and eat without worrying about my jaw locking up anymore. Praise the Lord. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. It's amazing. Uh, another person who got prayed for, and this was multiple times that he had been prayed over. This is the testimony of the people who prayed for him. It says this, we prayed for Jared's collarbone broken many years ago, and it still affected him greatly to that day. There was a word that was given about collarbones. We prayed once, and he didn't really feel any different. We prayed again, and he claimed he could lift it higher with less pain. So we prayed again, and he felt a rush of the Holy Spirit over him, and he was instantly able to lift his arm all the way above his head. He was healed. He texted me the next morning, and he said, 100% healed. He slept like he hadn't slept in years. The pain that used to bother him through his traps, head, and neck was gone. Come on, somebody. God answers prayer. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I 100% believe that God can do it. And so maybe you've come into this place today and you're struggling with something. You've got something. You're like, man, I need God to show up in my life. I want us to pray for each other. And so I want us to grow in this. I want us to grow in this because as we will believe and as we will pray, we will see the miraculous. So if you're here today and you're saying, man, I'm going through something. Maybe it's mental, emotional, physical, financial. You're like, I am up against it and I need God to come through for me. Will you just raise your hand with boldness, with shameless audacity all across this place? Come on. You're asking. You're seeking. You're knocking. If someone next to you has their hand raised, will you go seek them out? Come on. Let's make sure everybody has a hand on them. Find somebody next to you and lay their hand, lay your hand on them. You need to ask them about what their testimony is Will you just or their prayer request. Just begin to pray for them. We're going to pray and believe God to do something powerful. Make sure everybody's got somebody. If you're next to, maybe your hand's raised, you're next to somebody who's got their hand raised, you grab each other, you pray for each other, and just believe God to do something powerful. We're going to take a moment. We're going to take a moment. We're going to pray. We do a little prayer lab. And if you're not next to somebody, just stretch your hand towards somebody. If you're a believer. If you're not a believer, that's okay. You can just watch for this moment. But we're going to believe that miracles are going to happen right here because God's house will be a place of prayer. Come on, church. Right now, would you begin to pray all across this place? Begin to verbalize your prayer out loud. Begin to lift up your prayer out loud. Let's pray that God would do something. God, we pray that you would move in 